Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is March 10th, and stop me if you've heard this before, but it has been a while. Uh, my name is Chris, coming to you from New York City, joined by my co-host Pat, coming to you from Los Angeles. And uh, Pat, I hope this is not our last episode ever, because the world is freaking out with this <laughs> coronavirus. And uh, I just want to talk Penn State. How are you doing, man? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure we'll we'll be able to continue to record for a while. Um, I'm I'm confident that uh, the coronavirus won't well at least won't end Penn State football. I hope, man. There's a lot of uh, you know, on a quick serious note. I mean, I hope this is all just overblown and everyone's okay in in the very near future. But like, a lot of schools are starting to shut down classes and um, you know send people home. And I saw somebody tweet something about you know spring games are are getting close and. You know, they're talking about not having large gatherings of people. Spring games bring out large gatherings of people. So it'll be interesting to see how this... Uh, Luckily, know, affects... just spring games, though, you know? True, true. Hopefully, we'll be through it by then. Um, but here nor there. It's been a while. Uh, our last episode's been probably two months at this point. I think it was like <sighs> mid-January uh, that, we, that we put out our first off-season episode. And I mean, I say this literally every time we take a long break in between episodes, Life just gets in the way, real world, real jobs, things happen. Um, you know, as we get closer to the season, we'll, we'll hope to be a little bit more regular. I think my goal for the offseason was at least once a month, so we're already failing that, but try to get better. Um, for this episode, we're going to talk uh, NFL Combine happened. Uh, we had five guys there. Uh, draft is coming up very soon. Pro Day is coming up very soon. Uh, so we'll talk through that. Uh, I'll talk through some more coaching changes since the last time we've talked. There have been more Penn State coaching changes, which seems crazy for this offseason since we've had so many already. We are wrapping up winter workouts. We got some quick hitters, some voicemails, and then you are going to take us home with some big-time wrestling talk. I, I hear there's some, some tournaments that have happened. Oh, baby. Yeah, Big Ten tournament just ended, and we got the NCAA tournament coming up. Not this weekend, but the weekend after. Okay, very nice, very nice. So, a lot to get into. Let's start, man. Let's start with the NFL Combine. Did you get to watch any of it? Uh, actually, let me let me start before that. Are you a fan of the Combine? Do you enjoy watching it? Um, not really anymore. I used to, back in the day. Back in the day. Um, but I, I try to catch the Penn State guys if I can, but other than that, I'm not watching. Yeah, I remember as a kid, it was like, it was like must-see TV. It was like, these guys are jumping and they're running and I'm going to do that one day. And like... Of course, you never do because yeah. <laughs> we are not world-class athletes. But, uh, but yeah, I tried to watch – same thing. I tried to watch some of it. Um, it was in prime time for the first time ever. They shifted, shifted the times of when it actually happens. Um, and from what I hear, not a lot of agents were very happy with that because it led to longer downtimes between workouts, and, and they thought that that was leading to some more tight hamstrings and injuries and things and whatnot. So uh, kind of a good and a bad, more viewers, more eyes, but – Maybe the athletes aren't so happy. Um, like I mentioned, we had five guys uh, participate. Etor, KJ, John Reed, Rob Windsor, and Cam Brown. So um, we'll kind of run through all of them. I have a shit ton of notes. I wrote down like all of the results and comparatives and probably won't read all of those off. Um, but I think there's a lot to get into. So we're actually going to start this segment with a voicemail because it, uh, it pertains to the combine a bit. So let's see if we can get that going going on fellas screens checking in hope you've been enjoying the wrestling season and the basketball season although there's been a lot of ups and downs excited to get march madness going and seeing what this team can do um i was on twitter and unfortunately you guys kind of took one of the questions i was going to ask you personally which was how do you think not being able to do combine drills other than the bench press affected kj's stock and the view of him uh, obviously he didn't do it because he did want to but because he couldn't but I do think that hurt him not being able to compete on the field and show out. Uh, but the real question I was going to have is, draft-specific, where do you see some of the best fits in terms of either KJ with the QB or some of the defensive guys in terms of, like, where's, you know, where's YGM fit scheme-wise the best or who would he best play next to? Where would you like to see them go in the draft and what teams? So just curious what you guys think would help them succeed and flourish the most for the guys that are going into the draft. And, yeah, anything else you guys got on, on the way to work out that I haven't seen too much other than guys winning the day. But it's always fun to follow that. Hope you guys do well. Talk to you. All right. Shout out to Sweens for calling in. Um, so, yeah, kind of, I mean, a lot to talk about there. You mentioned basketball. Uh, we will 
probably not be getting into that this episode. Uh, since since that nice run of getting up to number nine, we've kind of taken a hard plummet there. Um, so we, we might look into it in the future, might do an episode. We had a, a potential interview lined up. Um, still probably going to look into that, but, but not a whole lot right now. But for the Combine, um, I think this is an interesting high-level topic. Like how much do you think Combine workouts affect a guy's stock versus what scouts have seen on tape? Because that's going to be the conversation that surrounds KJ for, you know, up until the draft. Um, it's one of those things where I think the outliers on both sides get affected a lot. Like if you have, if you didn't have like an outstanding college, like if you had, I would, I shouldn't say outstanding. If you had like a good college career, you're a guy who looks like a second or third rounder and you had like a really insane combine, you can get bumped up pretty high. Like guy, I, you see guys get a ton of hype around combine results. Whereas you like if you have a bad combine, man, people really cool on you, no matter how good your career was. So you, I mean, you could see guys drop almost an entire drop or rise almost an entire round based on their combine results. Yeah, I agree, and this is this has been a lot of back and forth for KJ because you know there's the one school of thought that people say you know there's enough film of him breaking plays wide open, of making moves in space, of showing what he's capable of that well, it probably shouldn't matter. Um, and then the other school of thought is yeah, the combine is. It's an event for a reason, right? Yeah, it's ratings and it's viewings and it's probably makes money, but it is putting you know the best of the best side by side, and I think that's the cool thing is like you're able to see them. Um, so I'm sure I'm sure there's some middle ground. I'm sure some scouts lean to one side or the other, but like you mentioned, it does really affect people. Um, let's start with KJ. I was going to start with Etor, but let's start with KJ since we since we jumped into that. Um, you know, obviously the big story is he couldn't run, couldn't do any drills, had a hamstring issue. Um, and I was thinking about how this has affected wide receivers in the past. Um, and two recent ones came to mind. So if you remember, John Ross uh, a couple years ago broke the 40 record at a 4-2-2. And he went, I think, like eighth overall, top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, he was probably going to be a top pick anyway. But pushing into the top 10, I'm sure that probably helped a whole lot. Um you know, he hasn't done much in the NFL. He's been hurt. He hasn't produced when, you know, in the limited time that he's been healthy, but had an incredible combine on top of a, a solid collegiate career, and that bumped him up. And then on the opposite side of that uh, is DK Metcalf. So you remember um, last year in the combine, he had an awful three-cone drill, which is meant to test yeah. agility and bend. I think they said it was, like, worse than Tom Brady's. And he dropped to the 64th pick overall, second round. He was projected to be a surefire first rounder. Some scouts early on in the process had him top 10. He dropped so far because I think, you know, the, the perception at least was he's a straight line runner, he can run fade routes, and that's it. He had a pretty damn good rookie season for the Seahawks, and it looks like he's going to be a, a, yes, a decent overall player. So you get him at the end of the second round, that's a steal. Um, like I said, I think it's somewhere in the middle, but... Talking KJ specifically, what are your feelings on how this will affect him? Um, well, I, I think he's still the plan is to still run at pro day, so I think that will help out. But he's a guy who I think like could have uh, really showed like some insane speed that could have bumped him up into like a late first round pick. Uh, and for some reason, like if, even if he runs like a four two seven at pro day. For some reason, it just doesn't carry the same weight that it would have at the combine. Yeah, I don't know why, but it's, yeah. it's definitely a disappointment. Like, I don't think it's not gonna, you know, not gonna ruin him by any means. But I think it would have been a really good chance for him to move up several spots in draft order. I bet. Yeah, I agree, um, and I, I think it is that sort of just um, visual of like, hey, you're going against the best of the best on a neutral field with NFL equipment. Like, what you do at your pro day is important, but that's your home stadium with your team, with your guys. It's, I don't know if it's viewed with as, as the much weight as, as the combine. Um, so KJ checks in five foot nine, 178 pounds. Small dude, man. Like, it, and that's not knocking him. He's a world-class athlete, and he would probably kick the shit out of me. But he's a small dude. Um, so I think what a lot of people talk about, you know, was he ready to go early? Should he have stayed another year? I get it, man. Like, I get why he wants to go. You know, another year of college wear and tear, that's tough. Um, the only drill he did do was uh, the bench press. 
got 15, which for his size, I thought was really, really good. Um, it was tied for 16th among wide receivers. Um, I was surprised it was that low, to be honest. Wide receivers are not generally the strongest guys true, in the field. True, but I mean, the max was 23, so he had 15. The highest was 23, so it's not incredibly off. Um, and, and as I was looking through all the results here, uh, the closest guy in weight to him that benched more than him was a guy at 196 pounds, so 20 pounds yeah. more, and he benched 17. Everyone else yeah. is in the 200 to 230 range. So, like, it's apples and oranges. Yeah, I think it'll do a good job of showing that, you know, even though he's a small guy, he's strong and tough. Um, I, again, it's not going to be something – I don't think he's going to go from being a second-round pick to a top-ten pick because he <laughs> – He killed the bench press. press. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I think it'll help ease teams into, like, yeah, this isn't, like, some small, fragile guy. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who works. This is a guy who's strong, who can be physical. Yeah, and I think it shows the mentality, too, in one of his interviews. I, I loved his interviews. He's very well-spoken, um, which, you know, you come to expect from Penn State guys, but I thought he handled himself really well. Um, in one of his interviews, he said something. They, they asked him, like, what separates you? And he said, I'm a dog. That's just point-blank, period. Like, uh, my work ethic. Like, And that shows it. Like, hey, your hamstrings hurt. You're known as a small, speedy wide receiver. He says... I don't care. I'm going to go bench press. And when he hit 15, he struggled on the 16th. One of my favorite videos of all time. The crowd like gets perfectly silent. And you hear him just go, fuck. It was amazing. Cause like that wasn't for show. That wasn't him like trying to get a sound bite. That was, he was pissed cause he wanted to do more. And I love that. And then you saw him be like, Oh, Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I, think, <laughs> hilarious. I, think, I think somebody picked it up. I think he actually says, Oh shit. Right afterwards. Yeah. It's like always one of my favorite things when someone curses when they're not supposed to, and then they immediately curse to react to that. Fantastic. Yep. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought that was cool that he was able to participate in that was able to do, you know, media interviews, meet with some teams. Um, you know, didn't do any of the running drills. Like we said, should run at pro day. Um, something I thought was, was interesting of the 45 wide receivers that ran at the combine, only six of them went under 4-4. I mean, that's good for him. He's going to run under 4-4. Like, you know, oh, he, yeah. He said, you know, he said in his training he hit 4-2-7, which is conveniently what Henry Ruggs ran for the, the top mark at this combine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think I don't think this impacts him all that much. Um, and I don't, I, I think it's because of the class too. So this wide receiver class, you've heard it before is incredibly deep. Um, and I think the top, yeah, he was never going to end up in a top four in this class. No. And I think even the top five is pretty solidified at this point. Yeah. You've got Jerry Judy. Unless he ran like a three, eight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like the top five wide receivers in far, as far as like pro prospects and how they're going to get drafted, you've got Jerry Judy, CD Lamb, Henry Ruggs. Justin Jefferson, and T. Higgins. Pretty much every scout and media expert has those five as the top five. You know, two Alabama guys, Oklahoma, LSU, and Clemson. They're all fantastic prospects. They're all going to be hopefully good NFL prospects. Who knows? Um, I'm kind of okay with KJ not being in that top five. That's fine. Like, I I get it. I'm not going to try to change your mind. I think the next group, and this goes to, like, Sween's questions of where's the fit, where do you think guys are going to land, the next group or next tier of wide receivers is kind of, like, wide open. So you've got Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State, I think, uh, Jalen Ragor from TCU, KJ obviously is in this group that I'm talking about, Um, a dude, Denzel Mims, that no one really knew about but just had a great combine, is now involved. Like, there's a bunch of other guys. Um, So I I think KJ is, like, very cemented in early to mid-second round pick at this point. Um, yeah. And if he has a great pro day, yeah, maybe that bumps him up a little bit. But I think because it's such a deep class and those first five guys that we mentioned are just really, really talented, I, I would I would see it difficult to see him picked over any of those five just because of the types of receivers they are and the need. Yeah, I mean, I could see him being the sixth receiver off the board. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be shocked if he drops past eight. Yeah. But I would say like six or seven. Yeah, I agree. And, and like I said, in, in a draft like this, you're going to see – it's kind of interesting when you have a deep class, it goes like one of two ways. You see like either a super early run where people are like, these are all elite guys, we got to go get them, or they get bumped down because people are like, oh, I can get them later. Um, 
I, I think you're going to see at least four drafted in the first round. I think, I think between Judy, CD, and Ruggs, I mean, all three of them could go in the top 15. So, yeah, yeah, I think KJ is is solidified in round two. Maybe bumps up a bit from from pro day, but um, personally, I don't I don't think not being able to run the combine hurt him a ton, if any. Yeah, I mean, it it hurt. It's it's not going to move him down from where he was. It just hurt his potential to move him up. Yeah, exactly. And and I hope he's healthy. More more importantly than anything, I hope he's healthy. I hope he's ready to go. Because once he gets drafted, it's going to be you know go show it. Like he is he is that small speedy guy. As far as what teams fit him, honestly, I have no idea because I haven't done all that like look into second round and who needs them and who's going to be drafting them. But. Yeah, I mean, I I would say like if you look at like. I would expect them to go somewhere in the top ten of the second round, mm-hmm. um, and then you got, and that is Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Detroit, Giants, Chargers, Carolina, Miami, Arizona, Cleveland, Jacksonville, and Chicago. Um, honestly, any of those teams, I don't. None of those teams have like really insane off- offensive weapons. Mm-hmm. Probably won't go to the Chargers. Um, but other than that, I mean. There's not like a wealth of great wide receivers on any of those teams. Yeah. I think uh, in some of the early mocks when he was going a little bit earlier, a lot of the common teams we saw were teams that put him as a strong number two to like a top elite wide receiver number one. So like Green Bay, where he would be opposite Devontae Adams to take pressure off Devontae. Um, New Orleans, where he would be opposite Michael Thomas. Like that, that as a fit wise, seems like it would work real well. Um, yeah. I think, obviously, I think if you go in and, and ask him to be your number one in the NFL, I'm not saying he can't handle it, but I don't think that's the best scheme fit. I think he is. He yeah, is your. He's not a big guy. No, he's your slot burner that's going to take pressure off your true number one. And you know what? They're both going to eat. So hopefully, he gets to a situation that that works well for him and, and is able to see a ton of success. Um, all right. Anything else on KJ? I have to look at these NFL, NFL.com does like comparisons and grades. Do we care about that? It's nice to see sometimes. All right. Let's, let's give them quick and we'll, we'll give them for each guy. So, uh, the NFL grades on an eight point scale. Eight is like once in a lifetime prospect, uh, and then so on and so forth down. So they gave KJ. What was Saquon? Wasn't he like a seven? He was up there. Yeah. He was a seven point something, I think. Um, Guys like uh, Miles Garrett was way up there. Uh, you know, the, the surefire number one picks that you know are going to be perennial all pros. Um, so out of that eight scale, they gave KJ a 6.4, which translates to will be a starter within the first two years. Personally, I think he's going to be a starter right away. I think you're going to see him very much have like a Marquise Brown uh, on the Ravens impact where is he playing a large percentage of the snaps? Maybe not. Um, but is he making an impact on the field? Absolutely. Um and the comparison that they gave him, they give almost every player, well, the top echelon of players at least, uh, comparisons, uh, gave him a comparison of Tavon Austin, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I could see that Tavon Austin had a lot of heat coming out of college, fast guy. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't end up being great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I hope KJ has better success uh, yeah. in the NFL. But he, he had, I think they had, they had like a similar skill set mm-hmm. in terms of speed and like play breaking ability. Yeah, he mentioned in in some of his media interviews, like, you know, they asked him, like, who do you model your game off of? And he talked about guys like Deshaun Jackson and Steve Smith, some of those short, fast guys that didn't care and just made plays anyway. So, um, yeah, all in all, very happy. Uh, I think KJ's going to do very well at Pro Day uh, as long as he's healthy. And then, you know, draft is coming up. Draft's April, because Pro Day is next week. So Pro Day is the 17th. uh, So it's next Tuesday. Draft is sometime in April in Vegas at the Bellagio Fountains, which is crazy. I think it's the Bellagio Fountains in the water. It's wild. Um, but KJ Hammer will get drafted no later than the second round. You heard it here oh, first. Yeah, for sure. All right, next up, Yitor Gross Matos. Uh, thoughts in general on, on Combine Draft before we get into the numbers. What do you think about Yitor? I mean, this is the, the guy we got looking who's got, you know, round one heat for Penn State. So we, we've, we've got a lot tied up in Yitor. Yeah. Um, Every mock I've seen has him like in the last seven or eight picks of the first round. Yep. Um, which it, it makes sense. You know, he's a pass rusher, which is always in high demand, but he's not like the top three pass rusher. Um, but he, you know, he's an athletic freak. 
He's got a great NFL body, and he's had solid production at Penn State. Um, I, I better than solid. He's had very good yeah, production in college. Production. And so, I like I said, I expect him to be a first-round pick. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, the number. If anything, I expect him to be drafted higher rather than fall. I agree. I actually agree with that a lot too. Um, I don't have the numbers offhand, but I think you know the stats that they always refer to are in his last two seasons at Penn State, he had something like thirty-five tackles for loss and it's like fifteen or seventeen sacks over those two seasons. Pretty damn yeah. good production. Um, it's interesting you say he's not a top three uh, edge rusher. I think he's got a strong case for it. Uh, so okay. when, we, when we look at edge rushers in this class, it's Chase Young, who is the clear-cut number one, um, would be the number one pick in a draft if Cincinnati wasn't picking first and needed a quarterback. Uh, so it's Chase Young, number one. Uh, Caleb on Chason from LSU is number two. And then three and four kind of changes back and forth between Yitor and A.J. Epinesa from Iowa. I almost said Iowa State. It's Iowa. Um, those two guys are kind of that next level. Like, like Chase Young is going to go in the top – he should be number two. He's going to at least go in the top three if someone gets crazy and gets quarterback. And then Caleb on chase on is top 10 to top 14-ish in most mocks. Um, then everyone kind of differs on who's the next one to come off the board. Some people prefer Epinesa. Some people prefer Yitor. Epinesa did not have a good combine. Um, he ran really slow. Um, his athletic ability on some of the jumps weren't out of this world. Um and I think everything that I heard from people is that teams are falling in love with Yitor from not only his on-the-field stuff, but the interviews and getting to know him as a person, which, again, not a surprise to us, right? We've seen, yeah. you know, everyone has seen his story and the, the Definitely he's Definitely describes a high-character individual. Absolutely. Um, so so I, I, I agree with you in the fact that I think, I think he is someone who could get drafted much earlier than he's currently being mocked just yeah. because... Edge rusher is a premium position. There's just there's so many in this class. There's so many offensive tackles, wide receivers, and then of course the regular need for quarterbacks. It wouldn't shock me if he comes off in the 15 to 20 range. Um, I, I was gonna say, don't be like I wouldn't be blown away if he comes off around 15. Yeah, yeah, and it really comes down to to team fits. Um, so some of the possible landing spots that I've seen him mocked to, uh, to answer Sweens's questions, um, the Jags at number 20, uh, you know, they might be getting rid of uh, Ngakwe, uh, might tag and trade him. Uh, the Bills at 22, I know they need edge rush help, but I think they go receiver. That seems to be a, a, a more clear pick for them. I've seen the Seahawks a lot. Seahawks at 27, so they're going to lose Jadavion Clowney and Ziggy Ansah in, in free agency in the next week, whenever that period opens. So they need so if to reload. Was there them, I would expect them to take him. Oh, absolutely. Um, you got the Seahawks at 27, Ravens at 28. Uh, they're going to lose that. Judon, and then the Titans at 29. So, like, all three of those teams, 27, 28, 29, absolutely could go. I just don't know if he's going to be there by then. Yeah, I mean, I could see him going as high as, like, the Cowboys, who I think are at 17. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't honestly know their team needs or anything like that, but... It, again, I'm, I'm rambling at this point. It wouldn't shock me if he goes earlier. Um, his combine, um, not bad. Uh, pre- pretty good. Uh, he didn't run. Um, I think had some, some tightness or whatever. Um, bench press wasn't great. Benched 20, yeah. um, which is tied for 33 out of 38 defensive linemen. Now, this is what pisses me off. They didn't separate defensive linemen, like interior D linemen versus edge rushers, which normally they do. Um, but on NFL.com, they had them lumped together. So you've got some of these like 350-pound nose tackles in that group as well. Um, but still, tied for 33 uh, out of... Yeah, he did three more than the worst. Yeah, so that's not great. <laughs> not great. The worst is 17. He did 20. The best was 33. Um, I would say the knock on him, though, was that he's not a power rusher. Yeah. There is one. Yeah, I think is that he's... he's... He's a guy with moves and with speed. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's been sort of that in-betweener where he's got enough power to get by. He's not the fastest, but he has that sort of enough strength and enough technique that it works. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. And like, you saw that with uh, his vertical and his broad jump where he finished very high. Yeah. Yeah. He really uh, just does shows that. like the athleticism and the explosion that I think teams will like out of him. What do you get in the vert, Pat? Um, according to the notes I have in front of me. <laughs> 34 inches, which is fourth out of 32 defensive linemen. It's pretty damn good. And only only two inches lower than the best. That that I love. 
that the, and like the vert and the broad jump that's that shows you explosiveness for a d line exactly um broad jump he was tied for sixth out of 29 and he was you know, uh-huh. only seven inches worse uh than the best so i, I think he, this guy is a surefire first rounder i think teams are gonna love him um it's just a matter of how high he goes um Interestingly enough, NFL gave him a grade of 6.5, which is just higher than KJ, but they actually label that as a boom or bust prospect. Yeah, that's that's one of those things about the grades that I don't get is why, like, yeah, like how does is that boom or bust better than than will be a starter in the first starter years? Years. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and then the NFL comp they gave him was Aaron Scoble or Schobel. Um, full transparency, I had no idea who this dude was. Uh, played for the Bills from 2001 to 2009. He was a two-time Pro Bowler, uh, one-time second-team All-Pro. Seemed to have a pretty solid career. Um, again, I think for Utah, if he gets in one of these schemes, the Seahawks or the Ravens particularly, um, I, I think he could do really, really well. Um, and it's just a matter of, of where where he lands. Um, anything else on Yitor? Nope. Moving on, John Reed checks in at 5'10", 187 pounds. Uh, another kind of small guy. I've always known he was small. I did not know he was that small. Um, NFL gives him a grade of 5.98, which means backup or a special teamer. And his NFL comp, which I actually loved, Grant Haley. Awesome. I know. Who would have thought? Who also, by the way, is actually having a better career than was already having a better career than was expected of him. Yeah, I mean, he went undrafted, right, with the Giants? Um, yeah. And has made a name for himself, worked himself on special teams, worked himself on to playing some legitimate corner for them. Um, what's your thoughts on John Reed? Uh, John Reed's a guy, I could see him going fifth or sixth round. Um, he's a guy that isn't insanely athletic, but is just good. He's one of those good at football guys. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, and he's got a very high football. Ball IQ. Yep, I think teams will like that. Um, that's one of those things that translates to again. It, you know, as a special teamer, you want a guy who isn't gonna lose his head. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, has a good just a good like nose for the ball, um, a, a good idea of how the game moves. And he's one of those guys. Um, I think the knock on him is probably not outstanding athleticism. Uh, I think he might consider to be a guy who has like tight hips, mm-hmm. um, not great in turns, and ball skills aren't the best. The guy who you, I think one of the like things I saw like the cons about him is not the guy you want like in the fifty-fifty ball, like turns a fifty-fifty ball into a sixty-forty. Yeah, yeah, I could see that, um, and I think it, it's tough because like athletically, I think he is. And that, that's at the pro level, I say that about yeah, him, yeah. not at the college level. That's fair. That's fair. Um, because he did test fairly well. And I think, I mean, I think this in general, you see Penn State guys testing really well. We'll talk about he Dwight He did, Galt. yeah. We'll talk about Dwight Galt a little bit later and how he preps these guys. Um, but he has some pretty good numbers. 40-yard uh, dash, he ran a 4 four, nine, um, which is pretty good. I didn't expect him to go sub 4-5, honestly. Um, so that was pretty great. Uh, and that was honestly his worst event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bench uh, bench twenty, which was tied for fifth, and the best out of DBs was twenty two, so he's right there. Uh, vert thirty six and a half inches, tied for eighth. Uh, broad jump tied for fifth. Three cone drill, he was seventh, and then the twenty yard shuttle, he was actually first out of the thirteen guys, thirteen defensive backs that did it. Um, this yeah. is just corners; they separate out the safeties. Um, but he twenty yard shuttle, he came in at three point nine seven. Who's the only defensive back under four seconds? And twenty-yard shuttle is a good, I think, a good drill for defensive backs in terms of change in direction mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, also, that that vertical jump, you know, being tied eighth, solid vertical jump. Something That's a shorter teams guy. Look, yeah, something teams might look at, like, and you know, one of his problems being the fifty-fifty ball. Teams will look at it and say, "Well, we can change that with his ball skills and technique. He's got the physical ability." to get the 50-50 ball. He's just got to get better at actually doing it. So that, that could be considered a plus. Yeah, I think I think he's a guy that's just going to have to prove it, right? Like a, a team yeah. will take a chance on him. Like you said, I think fifth, sixth is, is pretty accurate um, because, again, corner corner is always a position of need. You always need depth on your team. Um, he's not a, you know, a lockdown starter in the NFL like some of these guys that are going to go in the first round. 
Will a team pick him up and take a chance? Yeah, I think so. Um, superlative for him uh, was Deion Sanders said, quote, that was smooth while he was doing his uh, hip turning and running drill. So if that says anything about it, last time Deion Sanders said something about a Penn State guy, do you remember what it was? He can run, run. He can run, run. And Troy Apke went in, what, the fourth, fifth? Um, yeah. I forget what it was. So, yeah, I think uh, I, I love John Reed. He's always been one of my favorite players. Um, you know, I was bummed to see him have that injury and miss a year. I was very happy to see him come back and, and have some flashes of playing really well. Um, I, I think we know, you know, the times that he struggled and, and the times that our secondary has struggled the last year. But um, same thing. I, I hope, similar to like a Grant Haley, I hope he goes in a later round where he can go prove himself um, and, and, you know, make a team. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he doesn't get drafted. Yeah, I agree. Because um, that was going to be my next question is out of these guys from the combine, you know, do we think any are going undrafted? And I think, I think that is the next two that we'll talk about, right? Yeah. Yitor, round one. Guaranteed. KJ, no later than round two. John mm-hmm. Reed, probably 5-6. Uh, and then that leaves us with Cam Brown and Rob Windsor. Um, we'll start with Cam Brown, uh, just because I'm going in order of the NFL ranking. Um, I actually think Windsor probably had a bit of a better combine. Uh, but I don't think any, I don't think either of them like really made a name for themselves. Yeah, I, Cam did solidly in the vert and the broad jump, which again is a good indicator of explosiveness. Not a great 40-yard dash and an okay bench press. Yeah, I think for, for Cam, so he checks in at six foot five, two thirty-three. Everyone talks about how tall he is. I, I always kind of assumed linebackers were just tall, but I guess six five is like a bit taller than normal because they everyone was talking yeah. about that. Um six five, two thirty-three. So if you're six five playing linebacker in, in the NFL, you probably want to be a yeah, but if you're six five, you probably want to be pushing two fifty. Like, um, yes, it's great to have, you know, it's great to be a light frame, but if you're going to have a light frame, you better be running crazy quick. You know what I mean? Yeah. And his 40 was what, a 4.7? Um, so that was a little disappointing. Uh, I, I think some of the stuff that you read about, you know, when people do their analysis of pros and cons, one thing is does he have the frame to support the mass needed for NFL? Is he physically big enough to play in the NFL? I think we've seen him be just a baller at the college level. Um, seems to have a nose for the ball. Yes, he's had tackling issues in the past, but like, has been above average for us, I would say. Um, I don't know if he gets drafted, man. I, I really don't. I hate saying that because I want him to. I don't know if he does. Yeah, it's it's going to be... It, yeah, it'll be a, a late round if he gets it. Um, but I'll tell you what. I mean, if a team picks him up as a free agent, I think they're getting a pretty good steal um, as far as that goes. You know, he's a, he's a guy that could compete for a spot. Yeah, which is not you know what you're supposed to do as an undrafted free agent. So, yeah, absolutely. He's, he's got a he's got good football instincts, understands the flow of the game, and like you said, he's got a good nose for the ball. Yeah, which I think is the what people expect out of Penn State linebackers, which is mm-hmm. why someone might take a chance on him, because even I mean Penn State hasn't produced a lot of crazy athletic linebackers. No, but they're. Produced a lot of guys who have been successful. Yeah, and I think I just think the biggest difference is like the the size measurables here. Where you know, he's, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at NFL.com right now. The the weaknesses his first the first one they list is long gangly frame lacks NFL mass. Needs yeah. to add additional strength to fend off NFL blockers. Um, some of the positives they have for him: above average covering ground laterally, which we've seen. Um, you know, adequate instincts, good chase, runs downhill, plays with a striker's mentality, looking for action. So, like, I think he's got all of, like, the football toughness. It's just I think teams are going to maybe get a little bit scared from some of those measurables and testing numbers and say, okay, is he physically capable of doing it? Yeah. Um, but we love you, Cam. Hope you hope for the best for you. Uh, and then Rob Windsor, last one, checks in at six foot four, 290 pounds. Um and they give him a grade of 5.46, um, which is chance to make end of roster or practice squat. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say similar things about him uh, as Cam in terms of his testing. Not great, but not bad either. Uh, bench, not what you'd want for a D lineman. Yeah. 21. Not great. Um, 
Yeah, and only four more than the worst. It's not really what you want to see. That that's especially as an interior lineman, you want to see some strength there. Um, yeah, it's I would other than his twenty yard shuttle, I would say it was not a great combine for Rob Windsor. Yeah, and that's the funny thing with the combine like events too. You always try to spin it and be like, well, he was really great in this one. Like again, does a twenty yard shuttle matter for a D lineman? I don't know. Like, Probably yeah. more than the 40. Sure, sure. And it gives you some indications, right? <laughs> gives you some indications. But, like, you know what? I would have rather him crush the bench, you know? like I know. Um, so looking at NFL.com again, uh, strengths. This, this actually made me laugh out loud. The first strength that they list for him, willing to play hurt and go hard. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that like, too. That's, listen, I'm happy you pointed that out, but could you really not think of anything better? Like technical technically football speaking so, something to deal with football ability yeah exactly <laughs> um they say posted 15 tackles for loss and 10 sacks over the last two seasons sure again give me some like measurable um so they talk about his quickness loose hips uh you know plays with the high motor um but again some of the weaknesses similar uh similar to some of what we saw with cam missing nfl mass and will get pushed around at this weight um again remember he's a you know He's an interior defensive lineman. You're going up against these big-ass guards like a Quentin Nelson who just mauls people. Um, they say his production fell off, way off from his big 2018 campaign, which kind of did. Right, We were waiting all, all year last year for him to really break out. It didn't happen. Um, so, yeah, I think he's another one that, that likely goes undrafted, but you know, maybe a team takes a flyer in the 6th yeah. or 7th. Yeah. And, I, again, could surprise a team that drafts him or that – Picks him up as a free agent. Yeah, because I think I think I mean I'm gonna say this about all of our guys. Like one, because I genuinely believe it. Um, but two, it's because you hope what they are. But like I genuinely believe any of these guys will go into any situation and work their ass off to make a team. If any of these guys go undrafted, they're gonna be the toughest working guy on that practice squad. They're gonna go prove it because that's what they want to do, right? Like yeah, and again, defensive line is another position that Penn State has produced success at. And- mm-hmm recent NFL years, so teams will be likely more a little more willing to take a chance on a Penn State guy than yeah. other other teams. Yeah, I agree. Um, so best of luck to those guys. Uh, still upset that Blake Gilligan didn't get an invite. Uh, there was that one video of the punter that went viral because he did. It was The punter did like 30 reps in the bench press, something like that. Did you see that? No. It was insane. I forget. Uh, I forget if it was it 30. Now I have to look it up. Um, I'm sure McAfee tweeted it out. Yeah, it was unreal. Um, this punter uh, from Arizona State did 25 reps. Punter, wow. punter did more than Yito Gross Machos and Rob Windsor and Cam Brown. Like that's crazy to me. Um, and then yeah. somebody, not, somebody a, not a great look when you put it that way. Yeah, somebody tweeted out. I forget who uh, said uh, Blake Gilligan's mullet could do 26, which I thought was a very funny tweet. Um, so yeah, that's the combine. Um, like I said, pro day is coming up in a week, uh, next Tuesday, and then the draft uh, is sometime mid late April. I don't remember when. Um, good luck to all of our guys. I hope I hope a ton of the guys at pro day who weren't invited to the combine get their opportunity to shine. Um, you know, that's something I didn't write out. Uh, who else do we think could get drafted that wasn't invited? Um, I don't think there's any. Unless somebody really needs a punter and is, is taking a shot on Blake late, but I, I doubt it. You probably usually draft punters. Hey, you never know, man. You never like know. The Jaguars. <laughs> uh, the draft is Thursday, April 23rd uh, through Saturday, April 25th. So it's March 10th. We might get another episode out before then. Probably not. Because I hope I, so. I wait a while, but we might. So uh, if we do, we'll like get... to build suspense here at No Names All Game. Yeah. Um, but that's the combine. Let's move on. Um, but we have a lot of wrestling. So Pat is going to take us home with some wrestling talk. Pat, what's going on? All right. So I'm going to try not to go on too long here. Penn State finishes up its regular season at 12-2, and 8-1 and one in the Big Ten, uh, second in the conference in the dual meet season. Solid, uh, honestly, obviously, one of the worst finishes we had in quite some time, but still oh, very good. It hurts. Hey, listen, this so, was this was a season that was going to be an in-betweener season, and then also with a ex- 
very like a almost historically good Iowa team. So, and we wrestled them extremely tight in that dual meet. So I think a great, pretty great outcome considering everything that's happened with Penn State this season. Um, headed in the Big Ten tournament, that was a mixed bag, I would say. Um, the worst part of it, I, I would say the second worst part of the Big Ten tournament is that Penn State finishes fourth, which is definitely the worst finish we've had in quite some time. Yikes. Um, but look for, I would look for Penn State to finish better than two out of those four out of the three teams ahead of us in the NCAAs, uh, partially because Nebraska, who finished above us, qualified all 10 weight classes. But all of almost all of our wrestlers, wrestlers will finish better than all of theirs. So okay. you'll be looking at more team points for us in the NCAA tournament. Um, the worst part of the tournament was, unfortunately, Seth Neville's at heavyweight. Um, injury defaulted in his first match and won't be healthy enough for NCAA, so he won't even get one of the at-large bids. Oh. Um, yeah, not only did that kill our score, it, you know, obviously tough to see a, a good wrestler go down and not be able to compete for the rest of the season. You hate that. Yeah. Um, but severely hurt our score in Big Ten, and then all but kind of ruins our chance at actually winning NCAAs. Uh, so Penn State qualifies seven out of ten guys for NCAAs. We knew we weren't going to qualify at 25 or 57. Um, Brady Berge kind of tried to come back for the second to last match of the season, got hurt again. He's out for the rest of the season at 57. And once that, once he was officially out, we knew we weren't qualifying 57. Uh, Brandon Meredith kind of had a hot start at 25 for the season um, and then really fell off during Big Ten competition and actually did better than expected. He won his first match at Big Tens over uh, number three, Mitch McKee from one of the McKees from Minnesota, but then lost his next three. It's better than we expected, but still didn't qualify. Okay. Uh, then we move in. So we're moving into 133, Roman Bravo Young, RBY. Uh, the, the big kind of anticipated matchup of the tournament was semifinal Roman against Austin DeSanto out of Iowa. Um, the drama of earlier in the season was that during the Penn State dual meet, Roman had twice put DeSanto on his back when DeS and then DeSanto kind of like screamed out and got injury time oh. at, a, at an area where he was very much going to be taken down and either pinned or give up serious back points. So he's a bitch. Um, DeSanto... I say of a man that could actually destroy me. He's a bitch. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's a nut job also. Okay. Crazy person. Good to know. Um, but DeSanto ends up not being able to continue that match. Um, and would ends up counting as, you know, 16 points for Penn State, which is great. Uh, an injury default. So he actually stayed ahead of Roman in the college rankings because they don't move guys down for injury defaults. Oh, interesting. But Roman ended up being the better seed at the Big Ten because see, that's how seeding works. Injury defaults don't matter. They meet in, um, in the semifinal. Roman wins a tight match, great wrestled match. Um, and it just goes to show that this season he has the ability to beat DeSanto, whereas last season he got dominated pretty tough in the first match and then lost a fairly tight one at the NCAAs. Um, Roman ends up taking second at Big Tens, drops uh, a 7-2 match in the finals against Sebastian Rivera uh, at a Northwestern. Mm. This was a match that was closer than the score would suggest. It was uh, RBY, you know, he was able to take down uh, Rivera in the first period. Uh, second period gets gives up the escape, and then third period. The the disconcerting part is that Ro Roman got ridden out for the entire third period, which is not a great sign. Um, but I doubt that it would happen twice. And then just sort of in the desperation of everything, he ends up getting turned at one point. But you know, I it's looking like he's going to get anywhere from a two to a five seed at NCAA's, which. You don't love that it could go as low as five, but to be honest, I think he can beat anyone in this bracket, including Rivera and including Seth Gross, the only two guys he hasn't been able to beat so far this season. Okay, that's um, promising. But so that I, he, he's a guy that I, there's no doubt he will All-American, which is finishing in the top eight. Yep. Look for him at, as a champion. That's awesome. Uh, so let me to, ask you this. When, when yeah. you're watching the Big Ten, so he beats DeSanto, and then going into that match with Rivera, are you, are you like 
disappointed in that because you're like, hey, he beat DeSanto, which was the super tough one, and then he lost? Or is that something that you're, you're like, every match is kind of a reset? Like, there is no, like, because for me, I'm sitting there going, well, he beat DeSanto. Like, good. Clean sweep. He's going to crush the next guy. Right. <laughs> is that well, how it I works? I certainly didn't think that because, okay. I mean, Sebastian Rivera is an absolute stud. He missed them. Uh, only reason he wasn't seated higher was because he missed significant time for injury. But okay. he's... He beat Spencer last season. He was down at 125 and beat Spencer Lee twice. And Spencer Lee is a generational talent. He's going to be a four time NCAA champion. Damn. Yeah. And okay. Sebastian Rivera beat him twice. So this was by no means like, was he, I was, I going to the finals being like, Roman is in a surefire Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, I did think he would win. I, okay. I really did. Okay. Um, and I thought he, I thought it'd be closer if he lost. But like Got I said, it. the upside is that you see he could take down Rivera. He is able to defend a lot of his takedowns. So I think it will. If they meet again in NCAAs, it will be a tighter match. Roman could still win that. Okay. Rooting for him. And Roman's what, a sophomore? Yeah, true sophomore. Nice. nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for the kid. Yeah. And then we move up to 41. Nick Lee, who has dominated all season. Nobody's touched him. Um you know, breezed through the tournament until the finals, ends up taking second. Oh. Loses, uh, yeah. Drops a tough one, uh, six, five to Luke Pletcher. So Pletcher's out of Ohio state. He was the guy who was ranked first all season until Nick Lee beat him in the dual meet. And Lee kind of broke him in that dual meet. Like it wasn't, I forget what the score was. I think he won by like four or five, but was like, it was a clear decisive win. And then Pletcher just comes back and wrestled a great match. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a one point loss. Yeah. Even I, I think most people uh, I've listened to, like all the guys at Flow Wrestling said they didn't expect anyone to win all three of this matchups this season. So it, it's not unexpected. And I, I yeah. think, again, this is Nick Lee has in the past two seasons struggled a little bit at NCAAs, finishing fifth both times, underperformed a little bit, but he's next level this season. Um, and, and it's he's going to be the second seed, I think, heading into okay. the tournament. And it, it doesn't matter. Nobody's touched either him or Pletcher at all this season. It's been absolute blowouts by both of them. So they'll, they're going to see each other in the finals. And I'm, I'm still – I'm predicting a Nick Lee victory. Let's go, baby. Let's go, Nick Lee. That's right, baby. And then 49 for clearing. Um, had an up-and-down kind of season. Uh, wasn't doing too well at the beginning of Big Ten – um, competition, then kind of came on hot uh, and then dropped a very close first match of this Big Ten tournament, ends up coming back and placing ninth, which I know doesn't sound great, but he does qualify for NCAAs at that. Yeah. And Berkeley is not going to be, a, you know, he's not going to be a champion, uh, at least this season, but he's a guy that we can hope to All-American and get some significant team points out of. Okay. I mean, for a guy that's in that standing, I mean, just to qualify and yeah. get points, you got to be happy with that, right? Exactly. You know, okay. no team is going to be getting champions, potential champions, out of every single weight class. Sure, sure. You know, you're, you you got to have guys who are just going to go in there and be all Americans, and I think Verkleren has the potential to do that. That's exciting. Yeah, and then we moved up to sixty-five. Vincenzo Joseph has been number one all season. Finally beat out Alex Marinelli in the dual meet against Iowa. Uh, makes it, gets to the finals of the Big Ten tournament, loses three to two to Alex Marinelli. And he's, Damn he's, it. I mean, this is a tremendous rest, uh, rivalry in college wrestling. Yeah. Uh, Even Chenzo I know this one. Is, yeah. Chenzo's the two-time NCAA champ, three-time finalist. Coming into the season, had never beat Alex Marinelli. Lost him, I think, three times. Um, finally gets over that hump in the dual meet with a huge win. And every match they've had has been like, it's always been like this one move, one big move match where a guy will throw the other guy onto his back for a takedown and back points. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, this, this was a tough match. Uh, Marinelli, historically, the past two seasons, um, does well at Big Tens and disappoints a little bit in NCAAs. Mm. Take that with a bit of a grain of salt, though, because he lost the same guy as Chanzo did last season at NCAAs, uh, Makai Lewis, who's a freak stud um so i again i think chenzo this, this is with one of those it's too cut to call yeah chenzo looks better this season than he ever has and i think he pulls out the victory at ncaa's wins the title 
Yeah. But this was like, let me tell you, at this point in the tournament, Penn State had five guys in the finals. Half of the weight classes are Penn State finalists. That's a good thing. And and we just lost the first three. <laughs> <laughs> so that I roller was, coaster. Yeah. And excited, like, excited, two of which excited. I thought were like, yeah. I, I, so I was devastated at this Ugh. point. And then, thank God, Mark Hall um, comes out at 74. Now, Mark Hall had been ranked one the entire season until the Iowa match where he goes in and loses convincingly to Michael Kemmerer from Iowa. Mm. Uh, but he, he Hall is a good tournament. And then I would say in, for the first two periods, Hall, I wouldn't say dominated, but was a, clearly the better wrestler. Um, third period, Kemmerer comes back a little bit, but Hall holds on to win in the match 8-5. He is your Big Ten champ. Uh, I think he's, he can't wrestle in Carver-Hawkeye. I don't know what it is, but neutral, neutral ground, he's beaten Kemmerer. He's going to beat everyone in the country. Oh, it. by the way, Chenzo is going to end his career as a zero-time Big Ten champion while potentially winning three NCAA championships. <laughs> I remember you told me that in one of the last ones. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Three so, national If anything, I kind of like the fact that he didn't win. Yeah. Because I want Chenzo to just be a three-time NCAA yeah. champion and zero-time Big Ten that, that becomes like an incredible trivia question for yeah. forever. What Big Ten wrestler has never won a Big Ten championship but won yeah. three national championships? Back after this. It's going to be Vincenzo Joseph. Love it. Love it. Let's go Chenzo. And Mark and then now going to win. Now we go to next. Exactly. Our last finalist of the evening was Aaron Brooks, 84. True freshman whose red shirt we pulled with like five matches left in the season. Jeez. Um, yeah, he's he's been tremendous. Uh, so the big news at 84 was uh, Zahid Valencia, who was the guy who beat Mark Hall last season. He bumped up to 84 and failed a drug test Whoa. about a week ago. Not a performance-enhancing drug test, a yeah. recreational drug. Um, weirdly enough, not from the NCAA, but from an international tournament while he was in Italy. Oh, my God. And got suspended by Arizona State and is not wrestling in the NCAAs. So this, this was a weight class that was, it was Zahid and the field. And, and to be honest, it was gone. There was nobody who was going to compete with him. It was his weight class, and there was just no chance he wasn't going to win. So let me ask and you, now so he's those, gone. Are those international tournaments, whatever he's performing in or competing in, rather, is that like normal or was this like random that he was going for to do? A guy his, for a guy as good as him, yes, because he's, okay. he's trying to go to the Olympics. Got it. Okay. I didn't know you could do that while also being in college. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got it. Okay. Makes sense. Um, it is rare for you to do it while not taking an Olympic red shirt, though. Mm. Which a lot of guys is, is is almost exclusively wrestling thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so he's gone. So, so what does that yeah. leave us for at eighty four now? So it, this was um, so Zahid's not in the Big Ten now. So mm-hmm. coming in, this, this tournament was still kind of wide open. Uh, Brooks comes in to the tournament with one loss to Taylor Venz of Nebraska, uh, but beating a couple of at least one guy who had beat Venz. So he comes in with some heat as the one seed actually. Um, and avenges his one loss to, loss to Taylor Venz and actually pins him in the semifinals um, and ends up winning a 3-2 to two match against Cameron Caffey of Michigan State in the finals. So Aaron Brooks, Big Ten champion. Big Ten champion. honestly, I think, is going to be an NCAA champion. Coming uh, out I, of a I red really, shirt with five matches left in the season? I don't know if it was exactly five. But still, pretty late <laughs> yeah, in late the season. Late in the season, like mid to late in the season. That's amazing. Um yeah, which is actually kind of similar to what Mark Hall did his oh, freshman year. Okay. Um, but this is – honestly, I think Aaron Brooks wins this weight class at this point. It's a wide-open weight. I think he's going to be the number one seed. Wow. I don't know who would be ahead of him. And he also got named the uh, Big Ten Freshman of the Year of the season. That's awesome. So, yeah. look, Aaron Brooks is – and we're looking at four years of insane production from Aaron Brooks – uh, 184. Could you imagine then, like para- could you imagine paralleling that to football? Like obviously it's complete you can't compare the two, but could you imagine like a quarterback you pull his red shirt with like two games left in the season leads you to a national championship? <laughs> be yeah, amazing. I mean, the, the closest thing I could think was that Ohio State team mm-hmm. who won with, with Cardell. Yeah, with Cardell. Cardell Jones. Yeah, but like 
I don't know, all right, maybe I maybe I made that comparison too easy, but like that's crazy. I mean, that's you know that's wild. So yeah, but it wasn't like kid. Cardell Jones was the best quarterback in the country, right? You know exactly, I mean? exactly. Good, good for Aaron Brooks. It, it would it would be like if LSU had pulled Joe Burrow's red shirt in the middle of the right. season. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're we're back on track. Good, good. Aaron Brooks, did I get that right? Yep, Aaron Brooks. Aaron Brooks, good Out of for Hagerstown, you. Maryland. Big Ten champ. Right, baby. Love and it. Future NCAA champion. Yeah. So now, so now what? We look into one ninety seven was the oh, last Lord. weight class we Shit. qualified. Uh, Shakur Rashid, who bumped up last year. He was at 97 two years ago, mm-hmm. went down to 84 last season, uh, got hurt right before the NCAA tournament, and did, really didn't wrestle well at the tournament. Um, then had off-season knee surgery, was out for 10 months, comes back this year, back up at 97, and really doesn't have a great season. Uh, just it isn't there for him. He's just, you know, he's winning matches against guys that he always would have won against. But against the top guys, he just isn't getting any offense. Yeah. So I, this guy was worried about coming to this tournament. Um, like worried that he might not even qualify for NCAAs. I'll put it that oh, way. Oh, wow. Uh, but he ends up finishing fourth uh, in his, I think in his semifinal match, beats number three, Jacob Warner. That's who it was. No? I, for, I forget who the hell it was. Out of Iowa. The okay. three seed. Um, has a great match against him. And it just like looks like he's finally back. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, in the third, fourth place match, he ends up getting hurt again oh. and injury defaulting after the first period. Um, I think this is a case of they just wanted to play it safe. I think. To save so, him for NCAAs? Yeah, same for NCAAs. He's already Got qualified. It. No reason to push it. Yeah. Difference between third and fourth. They're not going to win the team race at Big Tens anyway. Better play it safe and let him have a good tournament. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Injury defaults so, just suck, man. Like especially wrestling. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, like in football, doesn't injuries suck? Of course. Like you lose a star guy, but like it's such a team sport where yes, that person's points matter so much in wrestling. But like to not be able to see that guy go fight for his weight class and you know he's yeah, putting all so the work to his stuff. Yeah, that just sucks. So hopefully, hopefully he's good for NCAA's. Yeah, uh, but Penn State qualifies seven guys for NCAA's. Uh, doesn't have a realistic shot at first place in the mm. team score. Uh, Iowa's got 10 guys in there. Um, like I said, Nebraska qualified all 10 guys, but I think Penn State will finish higher than them uh, on the strength of pretty much all our guys finishing better than all of theirs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you'll have a couple of guys that finish significantly better than theirs that will yeah. outweigh the difference in numbers. And so, I honestly, I think Penn State should still be able – to squeak out a second place finish at NCAA, okay. which is kind of disappointing, which is unbelievable to say. I that. mean, for it's... a year where we lost our <laughs> national champion heavyweight, exactly. we graduate Bo Nickel yep. and Jason Nolf. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and that's what I mean. It's like it's not actually disappointing, but in the world of Penn State wrestling, it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a bit of a step down from the norm. Which is exactly. I mean, just shows how good they've been. What's it been? Eight of the last nine, or something like that. Eight of the last nine. Yeah. Jeez. When's the last time they didn't win it? Was it recent? In twenty fourteen. Okay. I want to so say they had. Been... A se- yeah, it was. It was like a season where they kind of punted, and they just redshirted a ton of guys. But there's been like five in a row. It might have been twenty thirteen. Six in a row. Seven in a row. Damn. That's what I'm like saying. That. Eight, I don't remember. Like eight of the last nine is the loss in the last two years, or is it in like the beginning of that stretch? It's kind of what beginning. I was asking there. It was right in okay. between a, a four-year period on each side, I believe. Got it. Got it. Okay. So hey, you know what? Yeah, you, you stepped down to two for a season, uh, filled with adversity and change. Can't be. Can't be too upset there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still a for what is, I guess, considered kind of a rebuilding year. Probably the second best team in the country. It's amazing. It's amazing. Okay, yeah. so when is when is NCAA's now? Uh, March nineteenth through twenty first. Let me check the date okay. on that. Yep, nineteenth through the twenty first. So not this upcoming weekend, but next week. Next weekend. Okay, very cool. Um, yeah, I have no more wrestling questions. I, I'm trying to think of more, and that's that's all I got. <laughs> that's all I got. Good man. Good. All right, we are at an hour and forty five minutes. Uh, 
If you're still listening and this was one episode, you're a psychopath and we love you. Uh, chances are this will be broken up into a couple. Um, but yeah, good to get back on here. Uh, as always, the offseason is just a little bit tougher to stay consistent. But I think I think my goal, um, NFL draft is April, what I say, 20-something. After that, I want to do like one every two weeks. So okay, be, like you know, beginning of from like May through the summer, because that then we'll be getting into like, hey, actually starting to look for, towards football season. So um, my promise is at least once a month. My hope is two a month uh, from May on. That is what I commit to you guys. Um, thanks for all the interaction on the Twitter. We've been building that up. A ton of fun. Uh, voicemails, CJ, Sweens, we love you guys. Uh, and that's it. It's been, uh, it's been an interesting I'm hoping season. to do a nice little NCAA preview. Yeah. Episode, so hopefully we can get that going. Definitely, definitely. Is that the one you're going to do with uh, other wrestling experts? Or yes, gonna, hope, okay. hopefully so. Possible surprise guests. I, yeah, I wasn't going to say anything, but we're teasing a little bit here. You might yes. have some. Because, listen, wrestling is fun and we love it, but I am not the greatest person to talk about it. Uh, so most of the time it's just Pat kind of giving us the information, which is great, but we would love some good conversation. So we're going to try to bring on some, uh, some other guys who know a lot about wrestling, uh, talk with Pat, preview the NCAAs. That'll be a ton of fun. And like I said, uh, NFL draft will come here. Next thing you know, we're into you know blue and white games, summer ball, and the season is here. So uh, get excited, get ready, don't get coronavirus before then. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon. We are. Peace.